Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 34 with Joseph Makos and Joseph B. Avenue. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? There's some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. So yeah, here we are talking about our our friend, comrade who passed, Danny Kerwick, poet, bookmaker, uh, playwriter, uh, actor, performer, drinker, smoker, lover. <laughs> A little bit of action. yeah, yeah, Danny. Uh, and you know, Danny passed away. Who? How long ago was that? Now, the summer, late late summer. So, uh, the, that's kind of what has him on our mind. And I got to go to the Maple Leaf last Sunday and got to see Foothills Publishing in Rochester released some of his unpublished works as a chapbook. Um, and so we'll be hearing some of that in the episode as well. Uh, what, what do we want to say about Danny? Oh, man, there's so much to say about Danny. <laughs> so you met Danny before I did, I think. Yeah, Danny came to Cleveland in May 10 years ago. 10 years uh, ago? Yeah, and uh, read and had a reading at my little gallery space called um, Language Founders. Yeah. So he he just scheduled that without knowing you, or how did that work out? Yeah, I think Bill messaged me and... There was an exchange in emails and phone calls and stuff, and Danny called me up and said, "Hey, I'm coming to town. I'll be on the train." I think I think we might have gone and picked him up from the train station. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's how, I think that's what happened. We went and we picked him up from the train station, and we we ended up giving him the bedroom. I remember this. We ended up giving Danny the bedroom in my underground apartment. And uh, he crashed. The, I think he crashed a couple nights with us, and read at different. Uh, read at a couple different places, but read at uh, the space I was involved with with a bunch of people, Language Foundry, and then uh, yeah, just that was like the initial Danny Kerwick experience. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think I didn't meet him until. Maybe I met him before and just didn't know who he was. I don't think I met Danny until 2008. I was giving a reading at McCune that I had set up, and Danny showed up for it, uh, as he always did. I think he always was looking out for for different readings to go to. Um, so he just showed up. And it's funny, actually, when I was looking for something else for this episode, I found an email he had sent me afterwards where he was asking, like, oh, we should do more readings at McCune's. Do you want to help get some people? Maybe we could do a short open mic after them and put together, you know, put together a regular series at this thing. Um, Because that's just how Danny was, right? He he always thought there was not enough poetry, right? He was always looking for there to be more. (laughs) We have, we have, I think, a lot of material for our listeners today where they're going to get to hear some of Danny's work um, in the voice of various different people uh, that were close to him and, and various different New Orleans poets because that was 
his scene more than anything else, although he went back to Rochester pretty much every year. Well, there's a lot to listen to here, so uh, I think we've got plenty uh, to, to go on, but I just, you know, want to say a few things just about Danny, like, being a, a bookmaker, you know? He'd always... He'd always oh, yeah. The system of making books, and uh, I want to wax about that a little bit. You know, he had this way that he made these books with this, like, old, kind of like 80s brother typewriter, uh, mechanical it, typewriter, electric, electric typewriter. It was a, because I, I almost gave him another one, because I used to use the same one. It was a brother word processor where you could, there you go. so you could type the poems in ahead of time. You had to use those old little uh, eighth-inch discs. Yeah, floppy disks, um, the hard floppy disks, you know, and you could so you could to some extent have it planned out, but you had to you know set the margins of how it would yeah. print on there and everything it was limited, but you could do everything you needed to do. But it looked cool because the printing process was just a regular type wheel like you would have on any uh, electric yeah. typewriter. Yeah, and he would put and he would do addition of the books this way by hand and assemble them in a completely different way where he would print you know, 30 or 40 of a page at a time and then make 40 copies of a book. Yeah, which I, I mean, it is cool. It must have been time-consuming to put them together that way. <laughs> yeah, but still special in its, own, in its own right, you know. Well, and he and I always liked how he assembled his covers. They were always interesting and different every time. Yep. They were like little art pieces. <laughs> yeah, would, yeah, yeah, I did a little printing for him for that little... little little uh, sketches or pieces of art that he would put on the cover. And then he would manually type in the cover sometimes, too. <clears throat> so. Well, um, maybe we'll, we should just leave the listeners with, with all these other great words we've already recorded. Uh, but, Danny, we miss you. Uh, Indeed, brother. Maybe you're, you're listening to this somewhere. <laughs> I hope. I hope so, too. All right. Here's the rest of the episode. So I just know Danny casually from sitting in front of the Maple Leaf Bar. And I'd see him here on a regular basis. And on Sundays, I'd see him come in with his notebooks and his stuff and go in the back. So I realized at one point, he's one of the poets in the back. <laughs> and one day, this is the middle of the week, not on Poetry Sunday, I said, so you're a poet, huh? He goes, yeah, I kind of consider myself a poet. He said, you a poet? I said, yeah, I've probably written about three poems in my life. And this is very apropos right now, but I will tell you the poem in a second. He said, well, can you recite one for me? I said, yeah, I've got, I'll recite the best thing I ever wrote about 20 years ago. So here's a poem that I wrote that Danny told me I should write more, which made me feel really good. Down in New Orleans, when a jazz man dies, we throw a big party and we tell sweet lies. We march into the graveyard and we play the drums and horns, and the song we play is singing a low and soulful voice. We march him to the graveside and we put him in the ground. The preacher cuts his body loose and we're headed back uptown. The boys are playing cheerful now, celebrations in the air. And everybody's happy because they know you're finally there. Now that's how I want to go when I'm no longer around. I want to hear y'all playing when I'm six feet underground. Well, I told Danny that poem and he said, man, you need to write more poetry. I said, dude, it took me 40 years of my life to write that one. <laughs> and he laughed and said, keep writing, Paul. And I do write a little bit because he encouraged me to. And he was a 
He was a crusty, grumpy son of a gun sometimes. And other times, the most friendly, engaging, wonderful conversationalist I ever met in my life. I will miss him. I will miss him. He was a good fellow and a good soul. And I hope he's where I want him to be. I hope he's where we want him to be. So, God bless you, Danny. How you know Danny. Hey, this is Todd Demore. And we're at what? And we're at Midsummer Mardi Gras. And we're doing a little second line for Danny K. Mr. Danny Kerwick, we love you, brother. And uh, actually, we were just thinking that we marched this whole way, and the only thing we missed was the smell of a, a nice marijuana joint that you'd rolled up. And I can almost see you walking with us, brother. We all have our bishop's hats on with pictures of you. You are the person that we love and that we are commemorating in this way. And you had your workshop in my sister Lisa's garage where I watched you make these beautiful poetry books. And I was honored to be in Airline Highway where there was a representation of you in the poet Francis. You were represented in both Chicago and Steppenwolf and on Broadway. And we were there today in your workshop in the garage making hats for this beautiful second line commemorating you. I miss you dearly, my brother. I remember sitting on my sister's porch, enjoying the hot summer days with you, having a beer, watching the day go by. We just read some of your poetry, and every day I hear it. And on my hat, I have a little commemoration that says, The Lines on the Palm of your hand, which we actually use in the Broadway show of Airline Highway. I miss you a lot, Danny, and um, every day we've been thinking about you. This Mardi Gras will be thinking about you. We love you. Thank you for making our lives so special, my brother. Yeah, but that's great. Come on, just tell us something about Danny. Oh, God. One little thing that embarrasses him, or you can even talk to Danny if you want. Oh, my God. I gotta think about it. I just, I just, I'm stupid. Yeah, I know, that's fine. I'm stupid, too. Well, I mean, you told me the other day that Danny was your... Like your big brother, right? Yeah. 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 Totally. yeah. He growl at the Mexicans and. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they are, but yeah, we don't want that on. We don't want that out there. No. Why not? No, no I think. When I think of Danny, when I think of Danny, I was like always like, you know, he would give you his opinion about what you were doing, whether or not you asked for it or not. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah, a lot of people really dislike Danny. Really oh, I don't think I don't know. In I don't think in the poetry world, anyone really disliked Danny. We just always knew what was coming. Yeah, but in the world, the general world, yeah. <laughs> there is like the flute guy and the maple leaf, and then there's the skateboard guy. And yeah, he would get like these vendettas going. And, really? Yeah. And, and, and he would eventually. He, he might make up in, in a Danny kind of way. How would he make up? Like, bring him some fruit or a sandwich? Oh, he'd start shit talking with him and feel him out. And whether or not they went along, then he would just either carry on the oh, hatred yeah, or come to a mutual fuck units. Shit talk with him to figure out who the mutual enemy was. There you go. <laughs> right. We'll hate that one and not each other. <laughs> wow. For much in as he was, my opinion. He was a fucking great poet. He really, t- I feel like Danny really tapped into something that, uh, for me, as a, as a younger poet, 
but meeting him, I met him about 10 years ago, uh, and uh, maybe a little more. When I Before I moved here, I lived in Cleveland, and I ran a performance space, and him and Pat were up in Cleveland, and Danny read at my space, oh, and that's how I met Danny. The fuck out. Wow. That's how I met Danny. Wow. And he came and read to my Cleveland people, yep, so that when I came down here, immediately... Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I had come down here a few times before Danny had come to Cleveland, and I read the Maple Leaf. And the gold mine. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much how I met Danny. Wow. Uh, it was like, you know, standing out in front of the, the gold mine on a, on a Thursday night, hanging out with, like, who would be there? Like, Bill, Dave, uh, Jonathan Klein. Thaddeus. Uh, Thaddeus. <laughs> uh, I remember one time we were all hanging out out front of the Maple Leaf. We were smoking a joint with John Sinclair. <laughs> You know, doing the fucking thing, you know, yep. hanging out, reading poetry, it's always a good thing. Danny had this way of just refining everything to its most pure, simple, beautiful element. Yeah, and when I look at his work, sometimes I say, you know that spaces that Danny put between his poems? That was all the shit he deleted. <laughs> so right. Danny was actually writing right. really bad poetry. But then yeah. editing it down to everything that we saw. Yep. I mean, I'm just yep. kidding. I'm just kidding. But, but yeah, you know, that's what it it's is. a process of erasure. Yeah. And I feel like he was really into that. Oh, he was. And he dropped out the things that didn't mean anything. The words that didn't contribute to the final meaning of the piece. Exactly. He really knew how to distill it down to his thing. Introduce yourself and then tell us what we're seeing right here. My name's Raul. And this is New Orleans. Yeah, but what, where are we at? Alma Park. And what do we see? Midsummer's Mardi Gras. It's Midsummer Mardi Gras. And what do you see in Palmer Park? Just describe, take it in what you see. Uh, New Orleans being New Orleans. <laughs> Partying. And we're having, having fun. Yeah. And what, and you got a memory of Danny you want to share? Uh, actually, I just met Danny several months ago through Emily. Yeah, what would you About think of him? a year ago. What would you oh, think of Danny? The first time I talked to him, he made me laugh. Yeah. So if somebody just, could make you laugh. You know, with that, just kind of crass humor a little bit, I guess. Live. Yeah, for sure. He just made me laugh. Poppy and I are in a hat battle. something about the night. This was a great night to honor our dear, much-loved friend and companion, Danny Kerwick, a mentor to poets, a terrific poet, and a true heart. We love you, Danny. We love you, Danny. Poppy, you want to say anything about Danny? Or if you could say something to Danny, what would you say? I love you, Danny. We're sitting here sweating for you, Danny, and and dancing as best, we were dancing as best we can with what, what music we could find. And we knew you were in a love, we knew you love it. We love you. We're going to keep your love and your poetry on.
Michael Zernecki came from New York. Um, he published Danny's final poems that he had written in Rochester before he died. And he um, is going to present, give you know, give you an introduction and present uh, his uh, new chapbook that he just finished. So welcome, Michael. Thank you, Nancy, and thank you all for being here. Can you hear okay? Okay. Let me just tip it up a little more. Okay. Uh, I'm sure all of you knew Danny Kerwick. Uh, I, I knew him. I met him the first time I came to New Orleans with a group of poets from Rochester. And uh, we ended up connecting with this guy who was from Rochester originally, too, Danny Kerwick. That was 2009. And uh, I operate Foothills Publishing up in New York. We published, you know, two of Danny's books. Uh, he published one of mine called Acadia Cycles. And... And today what we're doing is, yeah, we've got a, well, Pat and I were conversing about Danny. She had Danny's last poems that he had worked on. And um, we talked about and decided to release them in a chapbook. So these are, and he had a lot of other poems that were maybe not completed, right, Pat? You yeah. know, handwritten, not well, completed. It was questionable whether it was finished to his satisfaction. Yeah, but the poems in here... Yeah, and the poems in here are ones that were we felt were completed poems, and he had typed them and you know revised and that. So that's that's what's in this book, and and I'm going to read those two uh, four words, I guess two co you know, comments by a couple of other poets. But before that, I just want to tell a story about something that happened during the process of discussing this book. And I was driving from home down to Pennsylvania. I'm, I'm from upstate New York, and. Uh, I had just, just before I left, I opened the envelope that had Danny's poems that Pat sent to me. And I messaged her before I left. And I'm driving and I'm going around these back roads that I've been on many times in Pennsylvania. And as I'm driving, you know, this small country road, I get a text message or, you know, mess Facebook message on my phone. And I look at it while I'm driving. Oh, it's from Pat and it's about Danny's poems. And I thought, okay, when I get to the main road, I'll pull over and uh, read the message. Just as I put my phone down, I'm passing a side road to the left, and the name of that road was Sympatico Lane. Wow. Wow. You know, wow. Then, when I got to the main road, I pulled over. I had to call Pat. You know, I, I, I needed to tell her this. You, you know. I texted. Said, call oh, me. that's right. Thank you. Yeah. Call me. Call me. That's right. In fact, call me. So she calls me, and it wasn't a great connection. And um, but I explained to her what happened, and and uh, then we uh, continued down the road. And just two minutes later, or so I got a, another message from Pat, and she said. Michael, when you messaged me, I was reading a book, and I had to put the book down to call you, and the book I was reading was all about synchronicity. <laughs> she goes, do you think it was Danny? Yeah. 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 So I want to read two uh, 
pieces in here by introductory pieces basically about Danny. One by John Roach. Some of you know John Roach from Rochester and Albuquerque. Good friend of Danny's. And this is what he wrote for Danny Kerwick. Poet of rivers and rails, poet of backyards and bars, poet of incremental flashes of awareness as it all goes by, all goes by. Jazz poet, street poet, simpatico bard, raconteur, Rochester poet, Nola legend, Danny Kerwick was all these and more. We are grateful to the poetic record he left through his simpatico press publications and in myriad journals and to Patricia Kishalk and Michael Zarnecki's labor of love in putting together these last poems, which Danny had composed the time-tested way in black, black ink of journal and on manual typewriter. Nothing gimmicky about these poems, just a fierce gaze on each passing moment, but a loving gaze, too. No patience for anything that doesn't further the music expand the beauty, give us some consolation for the constant pain of living. A few memories flash brightly. Danny and I gazing out at a deer meadow below my house in Avon. Meeting Danny at a bar in Rochester where he just discovered a gifted young Native American poet whom Foothills would soon publish. Hearing Danny tell the story of selling poetry books on the Amtrak between Rochester and Chicago. The story of how he got a FEMA grant post-Katrina to buy a printer and start Simpatico Poets Press. Stories of adventures during the staging of his play in Chicago and New York. The time I saw him again after a couple years sitting on a stool at the Goldmine Saloon in the French Quarter as I was about to read. A Sunday afternoon party at Pat and Danny's with impromptu poetry reading in their luxurious garden. A party at his jazz-loving father's place near Lake Ontario, and more flashes keep returning. I was happy to receive one of the poems herein, Sit as Driftwood, from Danny just a few days before his death, and so was able to use it as the opening poem for Water, Volume 3, Poets Speak Anthology series, a volume dedicated to Danny. A week before, he'd stopped into a Rochester reading for the first volume of that series, Trumped. We had a long phone conversation the next day and promised to get together for coffee in a few days. That meeting, alas, is indefinitely postponed. These poems, thankfully, are here to sit with us a while and cast their spell. And it was John Roach. And this is Paul Pines, a friend of Danny's I've never met. I think some of you know Paul Pines. He's read here a number of times over the years, right? And I haven't met him yet. From the moment I met him, Danny Kerwick was recognizable to me as a compelling presence. He approached me after a reading I gave in NOLA to say how much he enjoyed my work. What might have sounded disingen disingenuous or polite from someone else immediately registered as sincere. Danny's manner in that moment, and as I came to know him over the years, was unpretentious and without guile. His passion for poetry embraced the work of others as fiercely as his own, which marked him as unique in my experience. On my yearly visits to NOLA, Danny became my Virgil. I followed him through the poetry world, 
He knew so well to the Maple Leaf Bar, where Nancy Harris and John Travis held court. They welcomed me as his friend. Danny's poetry, like his person, proved to be an expression of his direct encounter with the world, friends, events, and the existential challenges for a poet who cares little about money, tenure, or celebrity. He navigated the Whitmanic moment with poems that fill the reader with joy he experienced in writing them. Losing Danny so suddenly resonates doubly for me as the shock of losing a dear friend unexpectedly and as a loss to poetry at large. Danny embodied the impulse which informs the medium in his own calling. His gravelly voice was translucent, could transcend boundaries to find a place in our hearts. Those of us who swim like fish through the opacity of a literary life and thirst for the authenticity that leaps from the page will find it again here in Patricia Kishalk's and Michael Zarnecki's gathering of Danny Kerwick's last poems. And we're going to have a number of different readers reading from the chapbook, okay? Um, and one other thing I want to mention with this chapbook, you know, we have them for sale, uh, they're $10. All of the profits after the cost of producing the book are going to the uh, New Orleans Musicians Clinic. So, you know, a lot of money, you know, money from the books will be going to there, so. And the first poem, North American Aztec. And I think, yeah, do you, and it, it, I think probably most everyone knows everyone else, but introduce yourself when you come up, okay? Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. <coughs> Hi, my name's Tom Murphy. Uh, this is as close to a Danny Wake as I'm going to get, so I'm going to tell my Danny story. Uh, I'm an actor, and uh, I got cast in Lisa Damore's Airline Highway to um, play a poet called Francis that was, they told me, based on a guy named Danny Carey. So I was like, you got to meet this Danny guy, you got to meet this Danny guy, which I did. I came out here and attended, you know, several afternoons. And eventually, as the play got underway, Danny would ride his bicycle to my house and park his bicycle, and I would give him a ride to the theater. And I was adamant that uh, I was playing a poet called Francis in a play. I was not playing somebody named Danny Carrick. And... Uh, <coughs> So uh, yeah, Danny complicated that by uh, every night before we go on, I'd pass his table where he, uh, where he was selling his poetry books, and he had a little sign there that said, Francis in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so I would give him the finger every night before I went on. And we both agreed that was the appropriate solution to that problem. <laughs> see, Aztec... Can I say something about North American Aztec? Sure. Yeah, North American Aztec, um, when I, in, I hate to interpret it, but Danny would go meet me at the park every morning, and he'd do what he called Danny Yoga Tai Chi. He'd like, it was his form of informal Danny meditation. And man, he didn't like the yoga class coming and taking his spot. But, and, you know... <laughs> But anyway, um, I think North American Aztec refers to that meditation that he did every morning, the Danny Yoga Tai Chi. When I hear that, it just, I see him, I see him in the park at sunrise with the dog. North American Aztec. As soon as he saw the sun, he came to its rescue. 
held in skyward hands, closed eyes. Shallow lagoon connected to channels below reflect an undefinable light. Image prompting experience, water drops of surprise, kindred forms of life. Not touch, hands rubbed together, sight lines through its melody, eyes tree line, form not impossible affinities discovered. Image is not trapped in frame on wall, grunt, stand up, walk, experience threadbare, life peeking through, estrangement in shield, sky never looks like yesterday, spitting world, push sun to midnight, to midday, devour a hamburger at Vic and Irv's, pint at River Shack, walk roundabout, miss her day in her tiny garden plot, fat Ollie in his lawn chair, light and wave of hand, insatiable appetite of sun, blood vibrates our veins, cosmic wheel oiled, celestial spirit twirling, fractional life, then collected. People long dead appear on a bench next to you. Hello, air. Street over there. You were the one with glimmering shoes, Mardi Gras season shoes. Sister sent to asylum in Mandeville, clung to windows in recycled air, so far to come here, thankful for table and chair, cheerful coffee vendor, slant of life eases effort to get here. People watch, patient and unpatient, on their way to where? As sun rolls horizon, placed under blanket of light. Repeated till conjured, misremembered, and still no end. The dark deep we think of, body laid to rest, or only dreaming of water and first breath. The surface time itself, stories change hands, hands build upon words and gesture. Gods bless our gullibility, our wonder. Wind hush only, offered once, till its brother follows in his own way, across lake horizon, to your table, glass of water, to quench the thirst of passing days. Morning light, shadows, lengthening tree line, till height of sun reverses nature's process to its roots. A punctuation in sky, to walk under, weaving upstream to a shack by creekside, tiny falls from shale ledge, words and worries emanate from floorboards. A single table in middle of room, concern for a friend, writes cobwebs, spiders pray trapped without empathy, we pray hands collapsed on the forehead. Write something beautiful. Write something for your friend. And this is the longest poem in the book. It's called Sit as Driftwood. And John Roach referred to this uh, in the anthology he published. He published a little excerpt of this, and 
John, there was an excerpt of this in uh, Maple Leaf Rag, right? So this driftwood, I think. Oh, in, okay, yeah, in the, okay, yeah, in the book. Oh yeah, both. Okay, yeah, yeah. This would be the final version of this poem. Sit as driftwood. Feeder creek, down slope, twist and turn, ice to sea, ravines sliced through shale and granite. In bucket, a nest of words, hook and cast into air, white capped and dark deep. Forget them for now. Sit as driftwood, a driftwood conference. Silent multitudes, gulls statue on pier, no one says anything. Oh Canada, or oh Jamaica, or small lake in the middle of Nebraska. Raise head, open eyes, sun at apex to fall along horizon, clear as hum, clear as church bells, clear as wind and sand. The air spoke, words big as smoke, to, so smoke, as smoke dissipates, one foot in front of the other. One drop of water from faucet, spring rainfall, snow melt, gushing aquifers on hilltop by gold Pennsylvania, New York state line in sight, may flow east along Susquehanna to Chesapeake Bay, or west along Allegheny, Ohio River, Mississippi to Gulf of Mexico, or north through deep ravine, dropping 800 feet Genesee River Valley to Lake Ontario, where man sits his driftwood on sandy beach. Or roll into valley, distant flicker, singular neon window, morning glow, Woman with hairdo strolls around corner, dog in tow. Conundrum of church spires, river trickles past. There's a friend here, a toaster in every kitchen. There are horses in the hills, shining dread and melancholy in a spittoon. The visitor looks for a room. A rooming house, one of the last where you dream the dreams of former inhabitants. The visitor wants this, to feel how the valley formed. Millenniums glacial, northern light, fossils polished, alluvial plain. Brawls in camp, whiskey fits, fists brazen, bricks laid for Main Street. Many tongues shouted, whispered here in the last rooming house on earth. He pulls sheets up under his beard, sleeps the dreams. A stone to sit on, away from shoreline. Near forest of shadows, circumference of borders. Ironweed and thicket. Enter thicket, find narrow winding path drawn to down to road across mainland bridge. Enter civilization. Become, become, become bananas in a cart, 
concoction cure all Mary the fairest spend time with wretched sing along trajectory of moon how many history books to discard read instead old people's eyes carry in pocket nest of words take to ravine skulk history sit in cave water dripping from mill up the hill of course corn mash howling from the holler rifle crack and echo there will always be blood on chopping block blade and squirrel ain't too bad with potatoes and tabasco shards of words meld with fog monk parrots and cardinals pluck twigs rise from batu fly to electrical tower literally build their nests tucked in structure perfect in tiny parrot condos luxury for baby chicks let life begin again language coiled a sleeping snake intonation in its awakening to grasp to grasp and relinquish images, relics. Memory of season hurls itself to pavement. Tavern in town has round-shouldered Bukowskis. Every other stool, slender heart cranes in between for balance. Glorious Gloria pulls the pilsner, Falstaff monitors the back room, deep blue lake reaches for window. Walk locomotive roundhouse, Oneonta station, steamers couldn't back up, switchman turns half circle, Youngstown steel, Iron Mountain spreads its fingers. People's eyes, birds fly from hum notes brush strokes a blue-gray swath of static turbulence hugs lake suddenly interrupted by orange glow to the east good morning world time for a rain dance drought-stricken region farmers wells dry up eyes plead help to sky in New Orleans no worry of not enough Clouds roll under us, massage our feet, humidity a cloud itself. Owls full voice this morning, and crows, big eyes, sun rises, cathedral through clouds. Doubt with knowledge. Something must be done, but not right now. Wait. Listen, wasp buzzes, back of skull, ether of city traffic, a memory. A ghost of reckoning fading past, garbage truck Tuesday. Miss Smith carefully closes door to not scatter grackle, perched and singing in lemon tree. Picayune thrown off porch with a whiff, all settling day, dog walk, levy ghostly with fog, river leaving driftwood bones, a matrix. Conjure 
obedience forms awareness. Brood one foot in front of the other. Recreate music in mind. Sing to Ibis and Park, pecking at earth. Live within a pause. Sit on stool, little legs dangling. The visitor envisions this, knows it did exist. Street over there. You are the one with glittering shoes. Sister sent to Mandeville Asylum. Clang, cling to windows and recycle there. So far to come here. Thankful for table and chair. Cheerful coffee vendor. Slant of light works off effort to get here. People watch, patient and unpatient, on their way to where? And you may have noticed some lines the same or similar to another poem in here. Um, what was that? I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah, and that's what Danny. Yeah, Danny did that. You know, he did that. You know, it's like yes. Poems. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, when uh, Danny went to Rochester in uh, April, he's a little disappointed because he was leaving New Orleans weather, and uh, reminded him of living in Rochester. And I know Snow was one of the first poems he did. He sent it to me. <coughs> Language under tongue. Deciphered in silence, people mill around, looking at socks and gloves. Snow as preacher, extolling window watchers in their progeny. Words form, eyes know it. Bring yourself, paint sky, arrange letters. Speak snow, vanished stars passing behind sound. We wait you every year. Raging fire, steaming drinks, hockey game on TV, romantic view of slush, long nights, sick kid, feverish cabin, stop at tavern on way home, news of more snow. News of more snow, Florida on your mind, oh well, we live here. Four seasons, hopefully. Painted sky complete till arc of spring. And thank you for Michael for including this one. This is one I almost forgot to send him. Staring at silence. Placid Blue Lake hugs Park Down Avenue. An old man's presence wanders these empty rooms. Generation of life voice linger in windows. Where did it go? Time clouds are gathering light inside to awaken stars to return alone in the glow. Staring at silence, the departed raised curtains, undeniable as existence. Looking out doorway to courtyard, a flash of hands, an arc of to and fro scurries the air. It might rain today, say the cardinals. The carpenter enters. Hauls in his tools. He remembers the alarm. Quick-witted, always with a pun. Well, he's done, says his neighbor, obviously missing her friend. A wistful look mixed with grief. Staring at silence. Time unravels. Feel rolling hills and skinny lakes. Glacial glow. 
carves gorges and craggy estuaries to one season the mind builders traverse the thaw honor the spirits who have passed staring at silence the carpenter vanishes his wood the lady next door tends her lilacs and the old man a shadow in clouds hovers over lake muddy lake genesee empties into bright blue lake Two-town from here, middle of bridge, Coast Guard boat zips past, its wake lapping against docks and restaurant bars. Along river, a man walks in the flats in a hurry, holds his hat. A woman slips into corner joint to start imbibing her gin and juice. Floating world, moving tableau, church spire and lighter. Lighthouse, destination for history buffs, glancing skyward, contemplating time, shipwrecks and mortality, and light, bright blue, muddy genesee, and empties into neighborhoods shifted with immigrants, and Irish fight Italians, they band up and fight the Slovaks, who in turn band up and fight on and on, until an easy peace by Riverbank Village in halls boisterous with drink. He looks out window, sees peace and harmony right in front of him, birds active in soft breeze and sunshine. Okay, thanks, Jimmy, and thank you so much, Michael, for putting, putting this together. I'm going to try to get through this. Okay, about Danny, um, there's some things at his memorial that I think were not quite accurate about Danny, so I wanted to clarify, and I wrote this. Um, tell what I knew about him. Daniel Danny Farnsworth Kerwick was a joyful man who enjoyed an idyllic, fairly ordinary childhood, growing up in a loving home in Rochester, New York. He became proficient in hockey, pool, music appreciation. Jazz was a household staple, thanks to his father, and he developed many deep, lifelong friendships along the way. Danny briefly entered college, then dropped out, influenced by Jack Kerouac's On the Road, a book he kept with him his whole life. Friends from that time recall him strongly taking the reins of his life to direct himself along his soul's chosen path, that of the artist. As clearly reflected in his work, Danny rejoiced in people and his sense of place. He befriended and worked with artists in Denver, Los Angeles, New York, New Orleans, Toronto, Chicago, and Portland, Oregon, where he established the Rain Dog Theater in the 80s, befriending Lisa DeMore, who would much later write and produce a play Airline Highway based on Danny's compelling character. The play is a portrait of Danny and the place he found as his second home, New Orleans. Although he always loved theater, by the time he settled somewhat permanently in New Orleans, Danny's medium of choice was poetry. He published and promoted the work of many poets, creating Sympatico Press and Sympatico Studios. Several books of his own poetry written at that time were also published. Attach it to Earth, You Stand Alongside Desire, Foothills Publishing, and Behind Minds to Sugar by Portals Press. 
always resourceful in the last few years of his life. He created numerous handmade wooden books of poetry he f from farm materials, including driftwood he found along the Mississippi River. Though suffering from an illness that would prove to be fatal, in April 2017, Danny returned to Rochester to spend time with his family and help with his beloved father's transition to a nursing home. The poems in this book were written in the last seven weeks of his life. <laughs> Let's see. During his time there, he never made it back bodily to New Orleans, but the city, its poets, artists, culture, and the community that was graced by him will forever consider itself a home place for him and his great soul. Thanks, Michael. Thank you all for coming and thank you for supporting me.